0: amen so Titus chapter 2 we're going to get right into our series as you can see we're talking about the 11th hour are we living in the end times uh and and today I want to talk about our hope our hope how many have hope today well if you don't have it by the time you leave I pray you do Titus chapter 2 verse number 11 says for by the for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust we should live soberly Righteously and godly when? In this present age. Everybody say this present age. Yes. Not not sometime in the future, this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. Now I want to get right into this word this morning as I've been talking about we're we're looking at end-time events. Now Please understand that I'm not going to, when, when you start talking about end times and eschatology and, and all of these things, there's a lot of stuff out there. And and so this morning specifically, I want to begin with an introductory message talking about our hope and our joy. I want you to grab hold of this truth today, that you and I as believers, we have hope and we have joy in the knowledge of God. Now, I'm going to cover several topics during this uh, uh, this series uh, we 're going to be talking about in time events, and the purpose is this: help us keep our focus on where it needs to be. How many's ever been distracted before? Amen. Yeah, I mean, how many times we sit around and people go, "Squirrel." <laughs> you know we get distracted real easy. Well, you know what, the church gets distracted. It is so easy for the church to get distracted with what's going on in our world. Listen, I, I, I'm not here to tell you anything you don't already know. We live in a dark world. We live in a world where evil is abounding. The Bible says iniquity abounds. But he said grace much more abounds. We live in a very difficult time. And, but the thing is, we can't be distracted by all of these things going on out here. We have to keep our focus on our hope because here's the thing. If you have no hope, you have no joy. If you don't understand what Jesus Christ has done, you have no hope, and you will live a miserable life in this dark world. So this morning, we're going to look at our blessed hope that Paul describes in our text. Now, what does that refer to? Well, the blessed hope refers to the rapture. How many's heard before that Jesus is coming? If you've not heard it before, let me tell you, Jesus Christ is coming again. This is the hope of the church. Again, it's amazing to me, Um, that we live in a time when there's so much controversy surrounding the rapture of the church. I mean, you think about it. I I, I told the early service this, go and Google, and, and, and let me just again remind you, don't take your theology from Google. Don't take your theology from the history channel, discovery channel, the learning channel. They don't understand. They are Bent one direction, and that's all I'm going to say about that. But here's what will happen. If you, if you type in rapture in your Google search, it's going to pop up and it's going to say something similar to the fictitious doctrine of the church or the erroneous teaching of the church. That's going to be some of the first things that are going to pop up. There's a lot of controversy today when you start talking about the rapture of the church. But I want you to understand this morning, one of the last pictures that you and I have of Jesus Christ on earth is found in Acts chapter 1. So so think about this. Jesus has been crucified. He was buried. Three days later, he was resurrected from the dead. He is now for the next 40 days. The Bible says that with irrefutable proof, he has shown himself to be alive. And so he went about giving them the Great Commission, what they were to do while he was gone. And then we find in Acts chapter 1, verse 11, what we, you and I understand as the ascension of Christ, okay? So, so one day he's there talking. He said, now, look, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. And again, he goes through and, and talks about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says while they were there, remember what happened? He began to lift up and ascended out of their sight. And then here's what happened. There were two men in Acts, in Acts chapter 1, verse 11. And these two men looked at these disciples and said, Why do you stand here gazing into the sky? This same Jesus. I want you to hear that. It's not another one. This same Jesus whom you see taken from you into heaven will also come again in like manner. One of the last pictures that you and I have of Jesus on this earth is his his ascension into heaven with the word that he was coming back again. Now, this echoes what Jesus said in John chapter 14. Remember? John chapter 14, Jesus is standing there with his disciples. He had been telling them uh, that he had to go away, that if he didn't go, the comforter wouldn't come, and and all of these things. And then he says this, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many Mansions. mansions or rooms, if it were not so, I would have told you. But he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and if I go, remember what he said? I'll come again. I'll come again. Listen, this is our hope. Church, please understand, this is our hope. We're not, we're not hoping for a better elections in November, even though I think every believer ought to be out voting biblical values. Our hope is not in a better country. Our hope is not in a better world. Our hope is in the fact that Jesus is gone and he's coming back to receive us where, so that where he is there, we may be also. That is our hope and that is our joy. And that should be one of those things that sustain us. This world is not our home. We aren't waiting for things to get better. We are looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. That's what we're waiting on. And, and here's the thing. There's so many opinions regarding biblical prophecy how many ever read a book about prophecy or saw a show about prophecy there's so many opinions about biblical prophecy and here's what's happened rather than deal with all of these opinions and it's kind of like the covid thing when covid hit two years ago you had one doctor saying this and you had another doctor saying this and you had another doctor saying this and for lay people like myself you you, you can't make heads or tails of it you know it's like you know, you want to go to Google. Listen, I, again, I recommend don't go to Google. How many ever gone to Dr. Dr. Google to diagnose yourself? Hey, I've done that a couple times and I already was in the casket. <laughs> I, I don't recommend that at all. Uh, I, I don't recommend that. But but what happens is because there's so many opinions that are out there about biblical prophecy, many people today shy away from it. They They don't talk about it. Uh, you don't hear sermons about it. Listen, it's easy to get caught up with the Antichrist. You know, how many of you ever heard about the Antichrist? Listen, I grew up in a time when people were naming names, right? How many of ever heard somebody named... Names. I, I, I mean, I grew up in a time where books were written about identifying the Antichrist. So we get caught up in those things. We get caught up about the Antichrist, and then we want to start talking about the locusts that are the size of of horses, and then we want to talk about the moon that turns to blood, or floods and earthquakes, and all of these other things that we read uh, in 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 end time events. I mean, really, inquiring minds want to know. We do. We want to know about Gog and Magog. We want to know about the beasts The four horsemen of the apocalypse, and on and on it goes. But the reality is this, and I want you to hear me this morning. The purpose of God giving us a glimpse into the end time events is to, number one, encourage us, the believer, and to point us to Jesus. Please understand that. The reason that we have biblical prophecy In the Bible, the reason we have Daniel and Matthew and and Revelation and all of these other passages that talk about the end time is to encourage us as a believer to hold fast that which we believe and and to point to Jesus. One author put it like this, if prophecy leads us anywhere other than Jesus, we're missing the point. That's good stuff. If prophecy leads us anywhere other than Jesus Christ, we're missing the point. Now, I'm just going to tell you right up front. Now, this is an introductory message, but I'll tell you right up front, I'm a pre-tribber. You say, well, what does that mean? I'm a pre-tribulation rapture believer. I believe that the rapture of the church will take place before the seven-year period of tribulation is what we see in Scripture. Now, listen, there are other people that believe and we call them mid-tribbers. They believe that we'll go through three and a half years and then the rapture take place. And then there are others that still believe that they are post-tribulation believers, meaning that the church is going through all the tribulation. Listen, I believe that the trumpet's going to sound, the dead in Christ are going to rise. We're going to be called up before the seven-year tribulation. I hold to a pre-tribulation. In my hermeneutics, I be, in biblical interpretation, I believe that the Bible teaches a pre-tribulation rapture of the church. But here's the thing just a casual glimpse of the modern church it seems like the current the return of christ is not registering with many believers there there's a reason that we are to talk about end time things now listen i've been here 30 years and i have probably preached and taught on biblical prophecy numerous times because it is our hope and it is our joy and one of the things that's happening today is because we as a church, the body of Christ, universal, has got so caught up in the peripheral things of life that we've forgotten that Jesus said, I'm going away, but I'm coming back. Amen. And, the re- and that should motivate us to, to work until He comes. That should motivate us to do everything that we can of kingdom significance because He's coming back. And when He comes, that's it, we're done. You ever wondered why Jesus doesn't take us, you ever wonder why he doesn't take us to heaven when we, when we get saved? Wouldn't that be wonderful? I mean, I, I mean, it would be wonderful if when I come to an altar and I gave my life to Christ, that immediately, like Enoch, I'm taken up. You know why he doesn't do that? Because there's only one thing you can do here you can't do up there, and that's reach lost people. God is not willing that any perish, but that all come to Repentance. And as long as he tarries his return, the church has a responsibility to those who have not heard. Listen, my consensus is this. From what I see happening in the church world today is that there just doesn't seem to be much excitement about the rapture. In fact, I I truly believe if you look at a lot of the preaching and teaching going on today, that uh, there's a philosophy today in the church world that says the church is going to become more righteous And the church is going to become more powerful and we're going to change our culture and we're going to usher in a period of utopia when Jesus returns. That's not what the Bible teaches. My hope is not in a better world. My hope is in another world. (laughs) My citizenship is in heaven. I'm like Abraham, a pilgrim passing through looking for a city whose has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. That is my hope and my confidence this morning. Listen, I can remember. How many remember growing up in the church when you heard sermons on the rapture of the church? Listen, I, I'm third generation, so I grew up at a time when, when, when there were a lot of things taking place in our world. I can remember a time as a little boy. Listen, by the time I was seven years old, I could marry you, bury you, baptize you, or preach you under conviction because I was at church. I said it earlier, the average churchgoer today is every third Sunday. Not my day. When I was a kid, Going to church, you know how often I went to church? Every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. And then my parents, my dad in particular, was a worker in the church. So I was there many times when the church wasn't even open. I had that drug problem. I drugged the church every time the doors were open and half the time when they weren't. <laughs> but here's the thing. I remember as a kid growing up in, those, in church that the second coming was the focus of many, many sermons. I mean, there were things that were happening in society. The signs of the times were telling us that the return of Jesus was very near and, and you had people running to and fro and hearts were failing for fear. And these preachers would come in. In fact, we had a guy, anybody remember Ed Reimer came back in the, probably, it may have been before, even before Brent was here. I don't remember. But he had a banner. We, we tied onto the balcony back there. That thing stretched up to here went all the way over to here, and then back to that back wall there. And it was, a, it was a prophecy banner, and it laid everything out. It was cool, but I remember those times. I remember hearing the preachers preach with such passion about the coming of the Lord. I mean, you think about growing up as a kid in 1948. Anybody remember, remember what happened? Israel became a nation in May, May 14th, 1948. It was a prophetic fulfillment of Scripture. The stage now was set for the rise of the Antichrist. And again, we've all heard that song. Anybody remember the song, the foot bones connected to the ankle bone, the ankle bones connected to the shin bone, the shin bone to the... You you know, that was a prophecy. That song was a prophetic song. It was a picture of Ezekiel's valley of dry bones. And it was God saying, wake up, church. All of the nation that was scattered for all of these thousands of years, all of a sudden, in one day, he brought them together. The bone became to bone, and muscle and sinew came, and God breathed into them, and they stood up a nation in 1948 all these prophecy teachers began to talk about and sound the alarm that that was the last thing needed for the return of the Lord. And they began to preach and, t- and teach about all of these things that were taking place. How many remember that time? Anybody remember that time? There was an urgency about it. There was an anticipation of the return of the Lord. I mean, the, we, we talk about nuclear proliferation. We talk about the Cold War. I mean, it was almost inevitable that Jesus would come at any moment. These preachers preached with such passion and conviction and urgency that most of us went to bed every night praying for anything we might have done, any thought we might have thought that would prevent us from the going to heaven when Jesus came back. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, I confess things that I never even did. Because I didn't want to be left behind because I'd seen the movie. And in that movie, they got their head whacked off. I wasn't into that. So I'd go to bed every night and I'd pray, Lord, forgive me of this and forgive me of that. I mean, I'm trying to cover everything I possibly can because I didn't want to be left behind. Because it was men and women of God who preached with passion the return of the Lord. Listen, there was a time when the possibility of the rapture was a present and powerful reality. And and that reality caused us to live a righteous life in a dark world. You fast forward to where we are right now. Listen, again, that was our blessed hope. That was our blessed hope. And it was something that we were preparing our hearts and our lives for. The second coming of Jesus Christ was the longing of our hearts. It was the subject of songs and sermons and Bible studies and in a world that was growing increasingly dark and secular we looked forward to and we prayed for the return of the lord now jump ahead to where we are today man have things changed anybody notice that other than me Amen. things have changed even in the church we're not as excited about the return of the Lord. I understand that. I, I understand. When I, when I got married, I used to pray, before I got married, I'd pray, Lord, don't come back till I get married. I got married 36 years. Is it 36? Okay, just, just checking. <laughs> and, and, and then I would pray, Lord, don't come back till we have children. We had two. I'd pray, Lord, come anytime. Some of you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) And then I had grandchildren. I said, thank you, Jesus, for not coming back. (laughs) But there was something about it. We were excited, ready for the coming of the Lord. But here's the thing. If you jump ahead to where we are today, the second coming of Jesus is very rarely preached in today's world. And oftentimes, there are people in the church that look at the rapture, the blessed hope of the church as a superstitious superstitious longing of a people who cannot deal with reality. You can challenge that if you want to, but I dare you to get online and look at sermons and listen to what people are saying today. They're, they're, They're talking about the church getting better and more righteous and influencing the world for the better. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches of a time when the church will become so apostate. That's, that's a fancy word that just simply means there's so many people today that are growing cold and indifferent to the things of God. We'd rather build our monuments than spend moments in, with him. I'm here to tell you today, I'm not one of those guys. Because I believe that as long as he delays his return, that is my hope and that is my desire. That is the driving force behind me. The truth be told, many people in Pentecostal and charismatic circles no longer teach or preach about the imminent return of Christ. You know what the imminent return of Christ is? The imminent return of Christ means that He could come at any moment. Before I get through preaching this message, He could come. Before we go to bed at night, He could come. Before we wake up in the morning, He could come. Before our next birthday, He could come. We must live with that present reality that Jesus Christ could come at any moment. And it should challenge us to live in such a manner that we're ready to go when He comes. The teaching teaching of His return is fading fast. People no longer want to live with the reality that He could come back at any moment. And because of that, we're no longer motivated to live in such a manner that glorifies Him. We live in a time today when people use the grace of God as an excuse to do evil behavior. That's where we are. We have people today, they're doing things that God would never, that Jesus would never condone. They're doing it and say, yeah, but I'm saved by grace. My theological term to you is B-O-L-O-G-N-A. God's grace doesn't give you a license to go out and live like a heathen. It saves you and empowers you to live a bold and righteous life before the Lord. Holiness without, again, without holiness, you can't see the Lord. That's what the motivation of heaven is all about. Listen, hear me this morning. Hear this preacher today that regardless, whether it's popular or not, fashionable or not, acceptable or not, the Bible clearly teaches that Jesus Christ is coming back. He's coming back for his bride. He's coming back to rapture the church. He's coming back to pour out his judgment on a world that has rejected him. He is coming back to purge the earth of sin and to cast Satan into the bottomless pit. Listen, I'm here to tell you today, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to step across into the gates of Pearl and walk on streets of gold and see the walls of Jasper and the the crystal river. I'm ready to see that. I'm ready to see that. I'm ready to hear my father say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's a longing in my heart. I want to hear him say, you've been faithful over a few things, and I'm going to make you ruler over many things. So come on in to the joy of the Lord. In our text, notice what Paul wrote to Titus. Paul said that the grace we have, it teaches us how to live in these perilous days. I'm not here to tell you that the world's going to get better. I'm telling you that iniquity will bound I'm here to echo what Paul said to his son in the Lord, Timothy. Know this also, Timothy, that in the last days, perilous times will come. That's what I'm here to tell you today, that perilous days are among us. Look at the temperature of our society today. We have taken Christians who have been the rock of society. We have taken Christians who have founded hospitals and foundations that help people. We are now turned them into domestic terrorists because they dare to disagree with a world that's laden with sin. Paul said, this grace teaches us how to live with this blessed hope. Notice this grace enables us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passion. Listen, don't tell me, well, I just can't help myself. Nonsense. He said, the grace of God will enable you It will enable you to renounce ungodliness and worldly passion. Not only that, he says, it will also teach you how to have self-control. I just couldn't help myself. You a liar. Because you can. I know that's tough. But it's time the church understand that the hope of the church and the empowerment that we have through the Holy Spirit is the hope of heaven. If we have this hope in us, we purify ourselves, is what the Bible says. We learn how to have self control and live in this present world. Listen, we don't have to succumb to the evil around us. If we have this hope of the rapture in us, we are more than capable of living a victorious life. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ who loved me. Why? Because I have the hope of heaven. Jesus, again in John 14, said he was going to prepare a place for us. And if he goes, he comes again. So that is our hope and our eager, eager expectation. So what does that mean? What does it mean in John 14 when he said, I'm going, but I'm coming back? Well, let me give you a couple things. Number one, it means we're going to the father's house. Think about that. I was telling Devin earlier, I know it was a song before he was ever born, but they play it, have the radio going on, out the, whatever they call that machine out there that plays music. <laughs> hey, I, was, I grew up in a time of, of vinyl, Cassette, 8-track, CDs, and now we're MPs and whatever else we are on now. Audio Adrenaline had a song years ago. said, come and go with me to my father's house. How many remember that? You got to be a certain age because uh, he was disqualified. It was before he was born. <laughs> and I love that song because he said it was a big house with lots and lots of rooms. See, the hope that we have this morning is what Jesus said to John, said, hey, or to his disciples, said, hey, in my Father's house are many rooms. When a Christian, one of our loved ones, passes away, what do we say? We say they went home, right? They went home. That's exactly what Jesus meant. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. I like the King James rendering of that. I've always entertained the idea that my mansion is going to be on 40 acres I'm going to have the Crystal River running right... I like to fish. So I'm going to have the Crystal River running out the back door of my mansion. I'm going to be able to go out to my patio and cast a line in. I don't know what kind of fish are in the Crystal River. Maybe it's Crystal... I don't know. But, but I, I, I keep my mind thinking like that. And I think about this mansion. Uh, you know, but Jesus is speaking of something more intimate than stone and mortar. He makes this analogy... And and the analogy that he has about heaven is drawing upon the temple here on earth. And so if you go back and look at that, the word translated mansion in the Greek literally means abode or room. So some renderings today say, in my Father's house are many rooms. That's probably a more accurate rendering. Because Jesus was talking about the temple uh, and and how it was going to be like that in heaven. In the temple, there were small rooms that were throughout the temple. And those rooms were designed for those priests the levites when they were serving the lord they lived there they stayed in those rooms and so that's kind of the idea what jesus is saying is that in my father's house he has a big house by the way with lots and lots of rooms and and the picture is not of us living isolated how many think isolation sometimes sounds really appealing you know when i was a kid growing up my my dad my dad you know my dad had the the garden i call it the farm Because I had to hoe the weeds. So fast forward, I hated it when I was a kid, but now I'd love 10 acres of land where I could go out and plant me a garden and have my grandkids come over and weed it for me. (laughs) You know, I mean, the idea of of living out like that and and the solitude, but that's not what the Bible teaches. You know, one of the things I love about uh, heaven, and I mentioned this last Sunday, but I'll say it again, With Sister Martha over here, whether it be Mexico, whether it be Poland, whether it be Asia, somewhere like that. You know, when God's people get together, it doesn't matter what language they speak. There is a kindred spirit that when the body of Christ gets, that's heaven. Heaven is not going to be the Hispanic over here, the Asian over here, the black over here, the white over here, the the Asian over here. It's not going to be the Islanders over here. That's not what it's going to be like. It's not going to be isolation and separation. It's going to be uniting together from every tribe and nation and kindred on earth. We'll come together and we're going to worship him. What Jesus is saying about the Father's house is that there's lots and lots of rooms and it's a picture of us coming together, living with our Father. It's the idea of a father waiting for his children to come home and to welcome us home. You know, for some people going home is not very exciting. The reception is not going to be what you want it to be. But you know what Jude says? Jude says that Jesus Christ will present us with exceeding joy. Think about that. With exceeding joy. When I get to heaven, whether it's today, tomorrow, or a hundred years from now. I hope not a hundred years from now. But whenever it is, Jesus will be anticipating, hey, Father, hey, Mike's home. Mike's here. He's excited about that. He's excited about you. If Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, when you go and you step over into that place called heaven, he's going to have great anticipation. And he says, Father, they're here. You ever had somebody come? I I remember our our children when they were growing up, if somebody came to to the the house to stay with us, they got giddy about it. Because somebody was coming to the house. Somebody was going to spend some time at the house. You know, rules don't apply when somebody's at the house. Some of you have the same household I did. <laughs> you know, Jesus is going to be anticipating that. In my Father's house, there are lots of rooms that were not so I would have told you. Here's the thing. There's room for everybody. But not everybody will accept the invitation. Number two, it's a place prepared for me. I want you to think about that. How many of you, if somebody says they're going to come to the house, go through the same routine that we all do, if somebody says, hey, I'm going to come and stay with you for a few days, what do you do? You wash the linens, right? We don't wash them until somebody comes, because we we don't care if they're dirty. But if somebody's coming to the house, we wash the linens, we wash the towels, we spick and span the the tub, because we don't want them to think we're filthy, (laughs) We go out and get some smell good, and we spray it all over the house. Come on, come on. We we, we just we forbreeze it all, or we take the Fabuloso. <laughs> <laughs> amen, amen. We vacation in Mexico. You can't walk into the you can't walk into the hotel that we stay at without Fabuloso smelling everywhere you all want to walk in and get a whiff of something fresh not something stinky <laughs> we do the same thing we get we get excited about it we worry about the sleeping arrangements and we we get the linens ready, make sure there's room in the closet for their clothes jesus think about it. jesus said i'm going to prepare for you that's a big deal he's going to make it personal you know, he's been waiting on he's been working on my place for a long time. 56 years. He's been working on my room. He's getting that A settled just right. He's getting that crimson tied ready to go. I mean, he's just getting it right. <laughs> he's making it for me. Making it personal. He's he's gone ahead to prepare a place for each of us. And again, we we already know about the splendor of heaven. The Bible tells us how wonderful and beautiful this place is. We already know about the gates of pearl and and we know about the streets of gold and the walls of Jasper and the crystal river of life. We know about the choir choir that sings before the throne. We know that there's no sun or moon there because the Father and the Son are the light thereof. We know all about that. We know how wonderful heaven must be. But Jesus says, as wonderful as it is, I've gone ahead to prepare your room for you, and I'm waiting on your arrival. Listen, if you don't get anything else I say, please understand that if you are a believer today, Jesus has gone to prepare your place, and he's going to come back for you to get you to move in. Why does he do this? He does it because he loves us. He does it because he's anxious for us To have that reunion. I say anxious. Jesus doesn't suffer from anxiety. But he's anticipating our return. I want you to think about this. It took him six days. Six days to make this beautiful world that we live in. If you've ever traveled, you've seen some of the most spectacular sights that there are. I've seen mountains that will melt your mind. Oceans deserts that just are incredibly gorgeous. I mean, the the world is a wonderful place. Listen, I tell my children all the time, don't give me stuff, give me moments. Amen? I got enough stuff. My stuff has stuff. I tell my kids, don't you dare throw anything away when I die, because that's your inheritance. (laughs) I'm spending their inheritance. I'm enjoying it because they're not going to. They don't care about oil cans and 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 uh, porcelain signs and gas memorabilia—they don't care about that, but I do. And they better anyway. There was a point there. I forgot what I was talking about. What was I talking about? Anyway, whatever. He's (laughs) He's making our place ready. And the last thing it means: eternity with Jesus. Eternity with Jesus. Listen, he says this, and if I go away and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again so that where I am, there you may be also. That is our hope right there. Don't lose sight of that. I I, I never get tired of telling people Jesus is coming. I know that was part of the message last night that he's coming. I thought it was pretty interesting when she started preaching last night. I thought, hey, she's got my Sunday sermon right there because he's coming. He's coming. Listen, I'm looking forward to the incredible beauty of heaven. The peace, the joy, the rest that will be ours for all eternity. Again, it took Jesus six days to make this beautiful world. You know what? He's been working on my place for 56 years. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how wonderful that must be? He's doing it for you and he's doing it for me. How about the reunion that we're going to have? Anybody have loved ones that have gone on to heaven? Can you imagine when we step over? See, for us, my parents, my mom died when she was 52 years old. She was a very young lady when she passed away. 1995, I was pastoring here, and she died on the Saturday before Easter. I was in my office. My dad, i just talked to my mom that night before, that Friday night. We were up here getting things ready for Easter. The church had been doing some, you know, we we started out really a small church, and God just began to bless and we began to grow. And I remember sitting in my office and my wife shows up with my kids and informed me that my mother had dropped dead at home. Very young. Then my dad passed away in 2012. My grandmother's gone. My grandfather's gone. Loved ones that have gone on. You know what? When that trumpet sounds and I step over, Oh, happy day. People that I've loved and missed, I'm going to see them again. See, that's one of the things that makes heaven heaven, is I'm going to have a reunion with all those that that I love. Jesus is coming again. But listen, there's one thing that stands out to me above all that other stuff. He's going to wipe every tear from my eye, every pain. Listen, I'm I'm at an age right now that what don't hurt don't work. But you know what? When I step over on the other side, come on now, I'm getting a new body. I'm getting a new body, and I don't have to worry about Weight Watchers. I don't have to count carbs. Amen. I don't have to go to the gym and work out all the time. I'm going to get a new body. (laughs) It's going to be 30 years of age. I'm going to be the epitome of health and healing. Temperature's going to be 70 degrees. (laughs) Hey, don't take my vision of heaven away. But you know what heaven is going to be like? What's going to make heaven heaven is when I'm going to get to see Jesus. The one who looked at me and my sin and my depravity, and he said, Father, if I go to Calvary, Mike Mizell will, will not have to die and go to hell. I'm going to, see my, I'm going to see my Savior. I'm going to see the one who did it for me when he, knew it, took upon, when he, when he hung up on that cross and he said, Father, forgive them. I'm doing this for Mike, I'm doing it for Sean. I'm doing it for Terry, I'm doing it for Cindy, I'm doing it for Sheila, I'm doing it for Martha, I'm doing it for them. I'm going to see him face to face. See, this is what the Apostle Paul says is our blessed hope this morning. It is a hope that should stir our hearts. It should cause us to live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. That's what motivates. That's why we talk about prophecy. That's why we preach about eschatology, because it stirs a hope in us that we are to live with an anticipation that he could come at any moment. The imminent return of Christ. Listen, he's coming. He said he's coming like a thief in the night. Remember what he said? He said there would be two plowing in the field. One would be taken, the other one left. Two will be lying in the bed. One would be taken. The other one be left. Listen, I know that we're living in a time where the subject of the second coming doesn't affect people like it once did. There are those that have removed its teachings from, from their doctrine. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus said, I'm going away. The angel said, this same Jesus, if he's gone, he's coming back. And when he comes, he's going to receive us unto himself that there we may be also. The signs are telling us. I told the early service this morning, I'm, I'm at a point now where I'm not, listen, I'm not looking for signs, I'm listening for a sound. If you know anything about music, somebody that plays an instrument, I played trumpet for many, many years. When you take that trumpet and you begin to play, you've got you've to warm that thing up. You play scales, you play that thing, you want to get it warmed up so that you can play on key. That's good, by the way. Listen, I hear the sound of the scales being played as that trumpeter makes things ready. And as he makes things ready, one day the father's going to look over to the son and say, son, it's time. Go get your children. Curly, come on up here. That's the hope of the church. That's what we're looking forward to. Prophecy fulfilling
1: and the signs of the time.
0: Come on, stand with me. This, come on, stand with me today. Come on, bless the Lord this morning. Amen. Come on, give the Lord an ovation of praise today. He's coming. He's coming, church. He's coming soon. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. Listen, the Bible says, if you have this hope in you, it purifies you. It purifies you. I want us to close on that note. How many here today have lost the hope of heaven? I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about you've denied Jesus. I'm just talking about you got caught up in the peripheral things. It is a present reality that Jesus could come at any moment. And because of that reality, it should motivate us to do kingdom work right now. You heard it last Sunday, four billion people on the earth have not heard the the message of Jesus Christ. We've lost ground, church. We've lost ground. It's time to get excited about the return of the Lord. It's time to work while it is day because the night is coming when no man can work. When he takes us out of here, we're done. Are you excited about his return? Do you long for, anticipate, love his appearing because if you don't you need him to touch you again you need him to touch you again i'm not talking escapism listen i live with the hope of heaven but I also live with the reality that i'm here right now and i understand every generation has believed that they were of that generation it started with the with the disciples In the book of Thessalonians, they were confused because they were dying and they didn't understand why they were dying if Jesus was coming back. That's why Paul said, hey, don't be ignorant or uninformed. Those that have fallen asleep in Jesus, they're not staying there because the Lord himself, again, Acts 1, shall descend from heaven with a shout. And the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, what did he say? the dead in Christ will rise first and then we who are alive and remain shall be called up together in the clouds to meet the Lord and so shall we ever be with the Lord he said comfort one another with these words this series of messages is a comfort to the church the world is going to hell in a handbasket, but I comfort you today because we have a blessed assurance of hope today that if he's gone to prepare a place he will come again and receive us unto himself that where he is we may be also that's our hope church That's our hope. And if that's not your hope, as we close this morning, as we close this morning, if that's not your hope, I'm going to ask you to join me down front here today and we're going to pray. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to blow upon the embers of our heart. See, he said, don't dig into the world, hold loosely. That's why Jesus kept saying, don't, he said, don't let your treasure be here on earth. Lay up not for yourself treasure here on earth, but send it on on the other side. Let that be your anticipation. Let that be your expectation. Let that be your anchor. As we sing this morning, and if you're online this morning, if you'll comment, we want to pray with you as well. Don't lose the hope of heaven. If Jesus Christ is not Lord of your life, listen, I don't have much to say other than it's going to get bad. I want you to think about how bad it is right now if you're a believer. How many understand? We have bad days. But if you're a believer, this is as bad as it will ever be because I have the hope of heaven. But if you're not a believer, this is as good as it will ever be because it's going to get bad. When evil runs amok, it's going to get bad, much worse than you can anticipate so if you're here today and Jesus is not Lord a priority of your life then today's the day to make that decision say Lord I'm all in I'm all in I'm not dabbling anymore I'm all in and if you're all in and you're not excited about the return of the Lord I want you to meet me down here and say Lord I need to get my priorities in alignment because I'm ready and because I'm ready I'm ready to do your bidding while I still can and also, if you need prayer for anything, please. Anything you need prayer, I want you to come. You're not in this by yourself. Go ahead and sing. And as I sing, would you come?
2: Shall come with trumpet
1: sound.
0: Hallelujah. Oh, may I then come on, you need prayer, I want you to come. Come on, this is your time, this is your day. Get excited again about Trust
2: Jesus. His alone. Thank you, Lord. Stand before Thank you, Lord. The Thank you, Lord. Lord. Thank you, Lord. When he shall come with trumpet shout, oh may I then in him be found, Dressed in his righteousness alone, Faultless stand
0: before the throne. Come on, we'll pray with you. Come on, Fred. It is our cornerstone.
1: Cornerstone. We make strong in the same.
0: man as we as we dismiss this morning please understand that song says he's lord of all you walk out of here understanding he's lord of all i want to say this to our young people here today this is not the superstitious longing of a people that can't deal with reality this is the reality of what god's word has declared I've heard it all my life. For 56 years, I've heard that Jesus is coming. And the Bible says there will be scoffers that will come at the end time that will say, where is His appearing? Things continue like they've always continued. What I say to that is I'm 56 years closer to the return of the Lord than the first time I heard about it. It does not deter me. It does not sway me. It does not discourage me. He's coming just like he said. 333 specific prophecies in the Old Testament spoke of his first coming. Many, many more speak of his second coming. If he came the first time, just like he said, he's coming back the second time, just like he said. That is our hope. And I want you to walk out of here today confident that he's gone to prepare a place. If Jesus is Lord of your life, he's working on your room right now. And when it's ready and he's ready, he's going to call you home. And we'll get to have a move-in day. Listen, this series, we're going to unpack many, many things. And again, the whole idea is, number one, to keep Christ centered and to encourage the believer to hang on. We've got too many believers that are waving the white flag saying, No We don't need that anymore. We need believers that will plant themselves in the truth of God's Word and say, I, He who overcomes, I will grant to sit. That's what he said. I'm preaching this so that we can be encouraged, we can focus on Jesus, and we can overcome until he calls us home. Father, today I love you so much and I thank you. I thank you for the hope of heaven. I thank you for that eager anticipation of the imminent return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that our minds have been enraptured by the truth of your imminent return. Lord, I pray that because of that imminent return, that we would live soberly and righteously in this present evil world. Lord, help us. Lord, you've called us to be different than the world. You've called us to do kingdom work, Lord. Help us to be motivated because you're returning. Lord, help us to do kingdom work, be kingdom-minded in all that we say and all that we do. Now, Father, I pray that you'll carry us out of here today, and I pray that the hope of heaven tucks us in tonight and raises us up in the morning, should you tarry it. Lord, may it light something up in us, Lord, in our spirit, Lord, the anticipation and the excitement. Lord, I pray for our our students and our children, Lord. May they also grow up with that anticipation of your soon return, and may they live with that motivation to be sober and to be righteous in this present evil age. Now, Father, I pray you'll go with us today, and I pray that you'll take us out of here, Lord, with that eager expectation that this could be the day. Lord, give us a great afternoon, I pray, and Lord, this week, should you tarry, I pray that you put people in our pathway, that we can share the good news of Jesus Christ and the hope of heaven. Lord, and should you tarry, bring us again at the next appointed time, once again, ready to join with brothers and sisters from all over, ready to worship and to magnify a name that's above every name. Go with us, I pray. I love each and every one. I ask your blessings upon them in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen, amen. amen. Thank you for being with us online. I look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you, and I love you very much.
2: And he shall come with trumpet sound. Oh, may I then in him be found. Rest in his righteousness alone.
1: Fatherly stand.